As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Get your popcorn ready. It's game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stoppers. Stoppers! The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. The Bears angst in general. Everybody's like angry about it, I feel like. Just relax. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. This is just how it is. It's a range of emotions. It's a range of feelings and hot takes. Here they are. Fiery, feisty, and frequently ill. The Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. Hogan Johns with you. Last week of January, getting closer to the Super Bowl. We have our Super Bowl contestants. It's not Aaron Rodgers. It's Tom Brady again. He's back for the 10th time. You know, I'm bummed that I'm not going to the Super Bowl this year. I'm bummed uh, for many reasons. But I do have to say, I am so sick of covering Super Bowls that have Tom Brady in them <laughs> that I'm okay with that that part of it. it it's got to feel a bit different, though. New team, what, that he's new coach, Tampa? Belichick's not there, no Josh McDaniels to talk about him. Yeah, I mean, it is different that at least it's not. The rest of the team is different. But everything's going to be different this year anyway. There's not like a normal media day. All the hoopla. It's all over Zoom. I'm going to do some here from my uh, dining room. Yes, I am too. So I guess we'll have stuff to talk about there. (laughs) One thing we obviously, and welcome in, Hogan Johns here with you. Follow us on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. And uh, you can read me at NBCSportsChicago.com. Johnsy on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns is where you go to subscribe, and you should be subscribed. First of all, I feel like we need to set expectations for the offseason because I feel like maybe some new listeners uh, or older listeners have forgotten, but we do not do three episodes a week during the offseason. So if you're hounding us on Twitter because there wasn't an episode since last Thursday, that's actually normal in the offseason. Most weeks, we hope to still get you two episodes. Some weeks, there may be one. There may be even a week in uh, randomly in July where we do zero uh, and actually take some time off. But um, three episodes a week, in the offseason, not happening. Except maybe like free agency week or 
the NFL draft, something like that. But yeah, we've been just, known to do a few emergency podcasts. If sure, needed. sure, yes. And you know, the Bears promoting Sean Desai, the defensive coordinator, didn't really fit the uh, emergency. It was also Friday night. Yeah. Which, you know what, it, I've been covering this team long enough that we should have known that's when they were going to make the move. But hey, he, he's the DC. So let's uh, discuss your thoughts. I like it. Next. <laughs> I, I, I'll say this. I get the concern with Jay Rogers leaving and, and looks like there's some considerable staff changes on the defensive side of the ball. But I like the idea of giving... A guy who's worked his way up, a guy who's learned under Vic Fangio, a guy who has been here for a bit, an opportunity. I didn't want to retread. Like guys who have done it before. I get that some of those guys were intriguing, but I, I didn't want a guy who's who, who's done it before in a sense. Like it, we've, the Bears have tried that with Chuck Pagano. It didn't work. I like the idea of giving a younger guy an opportunity to come in and implement his ideas. Enough with the retreads. Yeah, I, I mean, I, look, I, I think it's a good thing that if there is truth to the idea that, and I think there is some truth. I mean, certainly I don't think this job was as attractive as it was two years ago when the Bears hired Chuck Pagano. But I, I do think that it's a good thing that they had a uh, a very intriguing and qualified in-house candidate, probably multiple, if we're being honest, that that could be promoted into the spot. And Sean Desai makes a lot of sense. What, what I like about this is he has been here for so long that he has seen the worst of the Bears defense and he has seen the best of the Bears defense in 2018. And he has seen and knows the inner workings of probably why it slipped a little bit the last two years. Um, and my understanding is that we will see more of a shift back towards more of what we saw under Vic Fangio. Um, Because while Sean Desai was on the staff before Vic got here, it was really the Vic years where he attached very closely with him um, and kind of decided of all the languages he's learned defensively, you know, going back to his temple days um, under Mel Tucker very different from what Vic Fangio did, and then a shift to, to Pagano. He's seen all this, but he was most attracted to what Fangio did for very good reasons. I mean, we've all seen the results. And so um, this is a very, what I think is cool about this for the Bears is it manages to keep the continuity and keep a lot of things the same while improvement to going back to what worked under Fangio should be relatively, I don't want to say easy to attain, but at least an easy uh, path to go down for Sean Desai, if that makes sense. There's some aspects of 2018 that we should all acknowledge are not realistically possible, right? Like the, the turnover rate that they had this right, year. Yeah. Like these guys are, are, are a bit different. Like the Cleo Mack isn't the same as he was in 2018. It's still, still a very good player, but still not world killer, you know, destroyer of offenses that he was in 2018. Like, he's a but good player. I, I do want to say, though, whatever the, whatever percentage of the blame deserves to go to the scheme for why the sacks fell down the way they did and why the takeaways fell down the way they did, that's where I think Sean Desai can make a difference. Granted, what you just said is true. Like, they're not going to get, what was it, 36, 38 takeaways, whatever the final number and was. All those 20. interceptions, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's unrealistic. 
but it certainly can and should be better than what we've seen the last two years. Yeah. I'm interested to see what type of wrinkles he he puts in. You know, Chuck Pagano was kind of – we thought he'd be more aggressive when he was hired, you know, just based on his, his Ravens history, but pretty bland, right? I don't, I'm not using the word vanilla. That's like an, an insult in, in football world, but, like, it's – it just felt like they could have done more, and I don't know if Chuck Pagano wanted to do more. If he thought that was the best course of action, I, I, I'm intrigued to see what Sean Desai brings to the table. And you're right; some of those things do date back to Vic Fangio. Some of those ideas, we should say, and you know, he was one of Vic's right hand, let's call him right right hand men or whatever, because there was a lot of guys attached. Like Ed Donatel has been with Vic Fangio for years, but Brandon Staley. Now the head coach of the Chargers, he was a guy who was close with Vic Fangio and Sean Desai was too. This was a guy that Vic Fangio wanted to bring to Denver as well, but the Bears blocked him instead of Staley. So here we are. And actually, speaking of Staley, Robert Mays uh, from the Athletic Football Show is going to be joining us here very shortly, and he's done some extensive work and writing on Brandon Staley recently. So he's got a good handle of why that's working uh, at, at the NFL level and is kind of the best uh, way to attack some of these more modern offenses that we're seeing. Um, and maybe I think the thinking here is that that's sort of the same thinking that Sean Desai is going to have. Uh, but real quick, let's talk about the impact on the like the trickle-down effect of who is going to be lost here. We know Jay Rogers is out. We know Ted Monachino's out. Mark Dalio is not on the website. Yeah, that's interesting because my understanding was that he was going to be back. But that being said, um, I don't think people realize how crazy and fluid the coaching carousel can be. The head coaches get all the attention, but the trickle-down effect and how wild it gets behind the scenes with some of these assistants, like for instance, like Deuce Staley this week jumping from Philly to Detroit, how quick that happened. He was still under contract, then he was let go and... Sometimes it's very, very unpredictable, even for the people making the hires. Well, look at Dave Ragone and Charles London. They left for promotions with the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah. Obviously, new coaching staff there, new GM there. It happens. It, you know, like lateral moves, like Jay Rogers' move appears to be, like that's always something to be skeptical about. But if he was a candidate for defensive coordinator and he didn't get the job, are you really surprised? Are you really surprised if... This is a, a one-year, maybe two years at most with Miss Matt Nagy left. So the, these NFL coaches, man, they live wild lives. Just, like, look at John Filippo's life. Like, all the stops he's had. Like, people always go back to Philly. There's so many stops before that. Like, he was yeah. in Cleveland. He, he was all over the place. It, it's just there's a lot to, you know, th- these guys are what, – what's the word I'm looking for? Not <laughs> – <laughs> Come on, help me out here. What, what what's the uh, nomads? There it is. There That's it is. So you're looking at very nomadic lifestyle. Yeah, for NFL coaches, especially if you're an assistant. Well, look, Jay Rogers is a loss. You know what? It's it's not technically lateral because my understanding is he's going to have a little bit more responsibility, and it is somewhat of a stepping stone to maybe eventually becoming a defensive coordinator. But these are the things that happen when you lose coordinators, and you you have well-regarded assistants that move on. It's just part of the it's part of the gig. So the Bears are going to have to regroup. But it looks like th- that the potential is there for the entire front seven 
to be coached by different coaches. And that's, I guess you could look at it two ways. Either that's a loss or, hey, why are they not sacking the quarterback more? Maybe that's a good thing that there's turnover. Yeah, there's a lot of areas of, of statistical decline that you could point at too for this Bears defense. Right. Beyond what they did in 2018. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, keeping things rolling here on Hogue and Johns with our friend Robert Mays from the Athletic Football Show, uh, which you should be subscribed and listening to. It's outstanding, and the the amount of insight you get listening to that um, is very, very valuable. So uh, we welcome Robert back into the podcast. What's up, buddy? How you doing, guys? Uh, just covering the Bears. Uh, so not good is the answer then. <laughs> just covering the Bears. Uh, well, we want to hear your thoughts, though, because uh, you don't always get to... My understanding is you, you. part of it is you don't get to jump into a whole lot of in-depth Bears talk on the athletic football show, um, but also maybe you don't want to because it just causes you some pain. It's the pain part, but it's also <laughs> trying to walk that line of professionalism where... I understand that I can't always see every move with clear eyes. Like there are so many moves or things that would happen with the Bears, especially in like 2018, where I was just gung-ho about it. I was like, oh yeah, I would absolutely do all of these aggressive things that they're doing. And if any other team was doing them, I'd be like, I don't know, guys. That doesn't seem like the best approach. And I acknowledge that. And so it's hard to walk that line. And I always try to figure out, the best ways to balance it, and there really is no good answer. So I just try to avoid it altogether. So how do you feel about the uh, Sean Desai news? I know you and Mike Sando on your on your football show talked uh, a bit about younger candidates getting a, an opportunity. So how do you feel about the the Bears' decision at DC? I like it a lot. I mean, I think that everything I've heard about him and people that even reached out to me independently and just said, "Do you know him at all?" and I was like, "No, I don't." And they said, "You you'd like him." And just the ideas that he has and some of the stuff and the thought process that he brings to it. And what Mike and I discussed, and it's something that you know Barnwell and I had even discussed a couple weeks earlier on our show, is that one area where the NFL has just been lacking with new blood and new ideas is those defensive coordinator roles. I mean, if you look at it, I think going into this season, there were 30 full-time defensive coordinators. Ten of them were just fired ex-head coaches. And even guys like Dan Quinn and Gus Bradley going back into those roles for the Cowboys and the Raiders, respectively, you know, guys rise to be head coaches in part because of the job they did as coordinators. But just recycling those guys all the time, to me, isn't necessarily the best way to find the best coaches and the most forward-thinking coaches. And the Bears did the exact same thing with Chuck Pagano. I totally understand why you would want somebody with Chuck Pagano's experience to come in and run the defense. But I also think it's worth exploring ways to inject new ideas and new blood into defensive thinking. Because look at how much further ahead offenses are than defenses in the NFL. There are a lot of reasons for that. 
rule changes. And I think that for the most part, quarterback play is at a higher level than it's ever been because of 10 million factors, but a lot of which is guys throwing more at a younger age and the rise of passing and all of that and teams finding ways to be efficient. There's a ton of reasons. But in talking to former players and everyone else about all of those reasons, one of them consistently comes up is that defense just isn't pushing boundaries as much as offense is. Guys are just, and teams are just accepting the idea that if we have just enough, that's fine. And I just think it's a bad way to think about it. I think if you want to catch up, it's worth trying to have new conversations and new discussions with new people to see what some of their, their, what some of their ideas might be about the best way to combat offenses that clearly have an advantage right now. So with that in mind, I want to ask you about Brandon Staley because you, you wrote about him in a great piece. I think it was last month, right? It was it was a few weeks ago. December 30th. There you go. I'm, I mean, I read it at the time, and it was great, uh, first of all. But it's essentially in the um, – thinking of what you just talked about. You know, we're talking about a guy here in Brandon Staley that went from D3 John Carroll to head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers in five years. Um, And even, uh, you know, quite frankly, it seems like the Bears kind of missed on what they had in their building with him and and are maybe seeing that and going, well, maybe Sean Desai, who's I think caught, uh, you know, cut from a similar cloth and what you're talking about here with a, a younger guy trying to come up with these solutions for dealing with these modern Shanahan, Andy Reid type offenses. Uh, obviously, what Sean McVay did to essentially realizing uh, just from playing against Vic Fangio's defenses, hey, this seems like something that I should be looking at for my defense. Uh, he found that with Brandon Staley. Now he's the head coach. Of, of the Chargers, and I just think that there's a connection there with what the Bears are doing with Sean Desai. I think that makes total sense, and I w- they wouldn't be wrong in thinking that way. And it's just so funny how the league in general kind of outsmarts itself all the time, right? I remember reading a story on ESPN.com that John Keim wrote, the Washington writer there, and he talked to McVeigh, Shanahan, and Matt LaFleur. This was probably two years ago, and he was writing about how they were all on that same staff together in 2012. And to a man... Every single one of them said that Vic Fangio's defense was the hardest one to play against. And then I was having a conversation with another offensive play caller a week ago, two weeks ago. And he was like, yeah, going against Fangio's defense is, I don't know if I can swear on the show, but is a expletive. And if that's the case, if all of these guys are like, man, playing against that defense is really, really hard. Wouldn't it make sense to try to explore ways to replicate that defense? I mean, when people are hiring all of these people off of the the Kubiak Shanahan tree, no one's like, oh man, that seems like a risky proposition. Everyone's like, this is the easiest and most efficient way to do this, so why wouldn't we be trying to replicate it? And I just think that right now, that too high system and the advantages that it gives you is the same, It's the, uh, the thinking should be along the same lines. So I completely understand and completely support the Bears arriving at that conclusion the way that they did. So I think one of the criticisms of the... I, the side pick then is well he's the safeties coach like why isn't this working why is Eddie Jackson why does he not have an interception like why is he the better choice over the Shea Townsend who is in charge of the entire secondary what what, what I would tell people is that there just seems to be a little bit more here 
schematically. You know, like going going back to your your Staley piece and talking about ideas. Um, would I be wrong in summing it up? It's it's selling out to to stop the pass as opposed to, you know, stopping the run first, which is I feel like embedded in everybody's mind since they played grade school football, grammar school football. That's just you know, stop the run, then you stop the pass. In today's NFL, stopping the pass seems to be a bit more important. It seems that's part of it, and I think that if you look at the amount of light boxes they played in. That would support that idea. And he even said that to me. You know, I think his exact quote was it takes a lot of four or five yard runs to add up to a 50 yard pass. And if you look at the actual kind of outcomes with the Rams, they allowed the fewest explosive pass plays in the NFL this year. So you're devoting more resources to stopping the pass. But I also think that by starting in that too high shell with two safeties deep, that doesn't mean that the Rams played a bunch of cover two all the time. They didn't. They played a lot of cover three and quarters and different kinds of coverages. But when you're lined up in that too high shell, you're able to play a bunch of different coverages without having to scramble, right? Like the Chiefs can line up with a single high safety and play cover two, but it requires Dan Sorensen to run from four yards behind the line of scrimmage to 12 yards behind the line of scrimmage as the ball is getting snapped. That's a dicey proposition. By lining up with two high safeties, you can play cover two, you can play cover four, you can spin to cover three, you could do all of these things. So it allows you to create layers of coverage within your defense. So you're artificially building two-on-ones and double teams into your pass defense in ways that you aren't when you're lining up with single high safeties. So it's the resource allocation, but it's also a sense of unpredictability and just an ability to, again, create overlap within your coverages in ways that other teams can't by the way they line up. You know, it's just funny because um, we so football tends to just get so complicated. It goes back to what you were just saying. Like, sometimes these things are so obvious in front of us, right? If if Vic Fangio is the toughest defense to play against, then hire off his coaching tree, right? We hear you talking about explosives. What do you hear offensive coaches talk about? We hear Matt Nagy talk about all the time. We need to create more explosives. We hear that every single week from him, Allen Robinson, Mitch Trubisky. So if you're the defensive coaches, the formula of winning is preventing those explosives. And like I think about Mike Hankwitz, Northwestern's defense coordinator, sort of changing the conversation a little bit, but he talks all the time, field goals are victories for the defense. If we hold them to a field goal, they're not going to beat us. So when I see um, you know, the Buffalo Bills on Sunday kicking all these field goals, stop kicking field goals. They want you to do that. You're helping them. <laughs> stop doing that. It, it really is amazing. And, and I think that it's really important to separate process from results here, right? So if you go and you look at all the guys that are going to get hired off the Shanahan tree, they're going to be some horrible misfires, right? Like the Broncos went out and they hired Rick Scangarello to be their offensive coordinator. It didn't work out. It, they, it didn't end up clicking there. He ends up getting fired. They bring in Pat Shermer as his replacement. Scangarello ends up going to Philly for a year, which is an entirely different thing that we can talk about, about different voices and coaching staffs if we want to. But then he ends up going back to the Niners. That didn't work out. But a lot of things don't work out. A lot of hires don't work out. They're not all going to work. But I think going to the things that work the most often and using that to inform your process is a better way of going about this and just saying, well, you know, we'll just do something that we've seen over and over again be mediocre and see if we can be mediocre again. I think that's where I'm happy when teams go in a different direction by tapping into what's worked in the past 
and just saying, this is the best way to do it. This is the way that's worked out the most often and playing the numbers game. I just like that so much more than another retread defensive coordinator that just we know what he is and we don't get excited about it. What do you make? The season's not over. So I, I can't. I don't want to use the word offseason quite yet because, well, you're going to the Super Bowl uh, you're yourself, Robert. But all this quarterback conversation, Deshaun Watson, Matthew Stafford, heck, Aaron Rodgers maybe, what do you make of it? Like, it, it just seems unbelievable in a sense about how many quarterbacks could be playing for different teams or forcing their way out of different situations. Like, what do you make of what this offseason could be at the quarterback position? I don't want to draw like too many sweeping conclusions because I think that that can be dangerous. But I think this is at least part, in part driven by a lack of scarcity at the position, right? So you can move on from Matthew Stafford because you're not as afraid now as you would have been 10 years ago that you can find a quarterback that allows your offense to function and it's kind of what we talked about with offenses being ahead of defenses it's easier to play offense than it's ever been before so that's why you're seeing more quarterback movement because teams aren't you know grasping onto these guys like they're Gollum with the ring because they can find someone else and I think that is part of what you've seen you're seeing with the Rams right now right the Rams gave Jared Goff that contract I think in part it's because, well, we've seen the offense succeed with Jared Goff, so let's keep doing that, and here's the going rate for 25-year-old quarterbacks. And now I think they're having a lot of buyer's remorse. So there are a lot of teams around the league, I think, kind of coming to understand that you don't need to stick with a quarterback just because he's the guy in the building. Whether or not you think that it's time for a rebuild like you have in Detroit, or whether or not you think it's time to try to move on to a cheaper option because we think we can succeed with someone else like you have in Los Angeles. It's a lot of different stuff piling up here. And then the Watson situation is totally in a different atmosphere. It's in a different zip code because that's a situation where everything had to go wrong for them to lose one of the three best quarterbacks in the NFL. So so what I'm saying, it's hard to draw sweeping conclusions about all of these being related, but I do think that all of the movement is driven in large part by a surplus and a glut at the position that we've never really seen before. They're like playing dominoes. Like I'm working on an article. It'll be out maybe next week. There, there's just so many of them. You mentioned Jared Goff. Like what if John Gruden wants to run at one of these veteran guys? We know he was enamored with Tom Brady a year ago. What if he wants to go cheaper at the position? Derek Carr has got a similar contract as Matthew Stafford. It seems... Yeah, to, to your point, like can the Rams with this this defense, which was number one in some weapons or wide receiver, could, are, are they just a quarterback away? There's a lot of unique dominoes to, to watch in this. Um, so the question for you, like which domino are you watching? I mean, everybody's on to, to this Watson thing, but after that, who is it for you? Is, is it Stafford going to Indianapolis? Who, who are you keeping an eye on? It's Stafford because I think that wherever he goes, then it becomes the other quarterback needy teams that think they're close have to go in a different direction. So the Stafford teams that make the most sense to me are Indy and San Francisco. They always did. And I think Washington also makes sense. I think Washington should be a little bit more hesitant than those other two teams should be. Like the Stafford thinking, I've talked to people about this. I've talked to a GM who might be, might be looking at a quarterback this year and we were talking about what you'd have to look at with Stafford and this there's this idea of look how talented he is 
And can we get more out of him than the Lions did? And that's tempting to think because of how talented he is. But you also have to not talk yourself into that and not pay too much because you're tantalized by the talent. And I think part of that thinking is that you have to trust that you have the infrastructure in place to get more out of him than the Lions did. And I think in places like India and San Francisco, it's not hard to allow that to inform your thinking. In Washington, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a guarantee that they have the infrastructure in place, whether it's supporting cast with players, whether it's the offense, even though I think Scott Turner is on his way to being a really good offensive coordinator. I don't think it's nearly as proven as it is in those other two spots. And that's another consideration that we have to be thinking about with all this quarterback movement is that we've really learned over the last five years, I think two things. One, quarterbacks are more similar than we think they are. And two, infrastructure and support system and circumstances are a huge reason why quarterbacks rise and fall. So I think all of that has to come into play when you're thinking about Stafford and when you're thinking about where he might go and how that affects who else would need a quarterback this offseason. So you were in Green Bay on Sunday. What did you make of the whole Aaron Rodgers situation? And what have you made of his whole season? I find it just completely fascinating. Not only what he did at his age, playing at such a high level, but off the field, the way he talked every week, very introspective, open, honest, the appearances on on the Pat McAfee show. I just found him, I think he was the most interesting player to follow in football this year. I mean, I that's not news to me. Like I, I, mean, I think that a lot of people got a window into what talking to Aaron Rodgers is like from that Pat McAfee show. I don't, you know, Aaron and I probably have one conversation a year, like typically during training camp or some other point in the season. And it's, you know, he's not a guy that he's some, he's somewhat available. He's more available than most starting quarterbacks, but he's not somebody that you could just be like, Hey, it's Tuesday. Can I talk to Aaron Rodgers? So it's usually like once a year or so. And it's about, we've talked about a bunch of different subjects and it's always interesting to get his perspective on stuff because he is extremely thoughtful. And I don't know if he was more at ease this year than he'd been in years past. It did seem like he might be though. And is it that crazy to think that with a little bit of time alone and you know, when something really drastic happens in your personal life or in your professional life, like drafting your replacement at age 36 or whatever, that he would take a step back in a way that a lot of us have in the last year with more time to kind of think and ruminate on stuff. And I don't know, see things in a slightly different light. It, that's not surprising to me based on the way the last year has been for a lot of people and the way that Aaron Rodgers is always thoughtful about a lot of this stuff. Well, there's also the potential it, it's for for a lot of change up there, isn't there? Like, is like they got to resign their center? Um, is it Kevin King? Is is he out of contract too? There seems to be like their their running back needs a new deal. Like, where do you begin? It, it, isn't Devonte Adams entering the last year of his contract? There just seems to be, and I think he's acknowledged this the the potential for. We'll say major changes because you can't bring everybody back. The con- the salary cap isn't going to be what it's always been. Um, I almost wonder if he wants to take his 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 fate into his own hands a bit and, and follow the lead of a Matthew Stafford or the Sean Watson a bit. I think that he my, what Mike Silver wrote I think was really interesting on NFL.com after that game and. He took Aaron's comments after the game as a message to the front office and saying that I want a push here. Like I, This is something where we have to really think about what we want this next year to be. And if you look at a team like 
the Saints, for example, or even a team like the Bucks, who went out and signed Antonio Brown because Aaron because Tom Brady told them to essentially, and a team like New Orleans that has kicked the financial can down the road over the last I don't know seven eight years. I mean, they've always there's always money in the banana stand in New Orleans, and I think that Rodgers wants similar treatment. Like I know we're up against the cap and I know things are going to be tight, but. I want us to go all in in the way that these other teams are going all in with their all-time franchise quarterbacks. I think that's it. I mean, they're it's going to be tight up there. I mean, they're already like twenty-five million dollars over the cap, and you know there are moves that they can make. I assume they'll you know possibly move on from a guy like Preston Smith and you know other guys on that team making a decent amount of money. They can get under the cap relatively easily, but I think that trying to find cheap deals and trying to really be aggressive, not necessarily in the contracts you're signing, but turning over every rock in free agency in ways they haven't done in the past and teams like New Orleans have. I think that's the kind of treatment he wants and that's what he wants the outcome of this kind of act that he's doing to be. Yeah, I don't think there's any question that he wants the outcome to be him still in Green Bay. Um, But I think he also wanted that and thought that was going to be the case before they went out and drafted Jordan Love. And and I think in some ways that was a – a wake-up call, and if you've really listened to him carefully this year, you've heard him essentially accept the fact that his career is not going to end in Green Bay. That's how I view all this in the last 48 hours, as almost one last uh, attempt at, like, hey, I, I'm i still going to play four or five more years. Am I doing this here with you guys? Are you guys willing to commit to me like that, or... Is it t- if this is inevitable? Should we just go ahead and, and do this now? Um, and I actually think if that's the case, there's arguments to be made on both sides that now is a better time than 2022. Um, look at when once the Packers finally moved on from Brett Favre, didn't they only get a third round pick in that trade? If you were to make that or something like that, t- if you you wait another year, there's no guarantee Aaron Rodgers is coming off an MVP season next year. There's no guarantee that you're going to get what you're going to get if you actually moved on from him here. Again, I'm not saying that's the road this is going to end up going down. I just think that that's probably somewhat of where Aaron Rodgers is coming from in this whole thing. I think that's totally fair. I just... It's such a weird organization. And I think this is one of those moments where not having an owner plays into it a little bit, where you don't have that person who's kind of sitting there being like, we can't do this because of optics. Yeah. Like that's, that's part of it. I mean, I think that with the considerations with Matt Ryan in Atlanta, like I guarantee you, Arthur Blank is sitting there kind of weighing, all right, I mean, we can move on from Matt Ryan, but like Matt Ryan's been here for 12 years. Like, you know, what do we owe Matt Ryan? And I think some of that stuff is overstated, but I also think it's worth taking into consideration every once in a while. Like this isn't just franchise quarterback X that's about to turn 38 years old. This is one of the greatest players in the history of the sport. And I think that you have to try to weigh that as you're thinking about how you want to deal with his future and deal with the way this ends. Maybe that's already out the door after drafting Aaron Love or Jordan Love. But I still think that with him, these are the things that you have to take into consideration before you do anything or that you should at the very least. Yeah, because look, where do you put? Sorry, there's just it. it, it, This isn't like a normal conversation where you're like, should we uh, keep keep going down the road with this first round draft pick that that we drafted, or you know, the guy that's playing at MVP level for four or five more years? You know, someone on Twitter asked me the other day, 
Uh, if the you know obviously both are probably unrealistic, but if the Bears could get Deshaun Watson or Aaron Rodgers, which one would you take? Now the answer is Deshaun Watson, but I had to hesitate for a second because it's still Aaron freaking Rodgers, and you're still would be getting him for probably four or five more years. You could do a lot of damage in four or five years, even with Aaron Rodgers at his age. I was talking to somebody today uh, with the team, and they said that he's still somebody that you would do whatever it takes to get it's and even at what his age and i think that that's part of the mystique around him but i also think that in moments like this it's worth looking at and listening to people within the league you know over the last three or four years if you look at mike sando's quarterback tiers for example right rogers was in tier one every year it didn't matter that they were struggling a little bit in Green Bay in the last couple of years of the McCarthy era. Everyone around the league was like, no, nah, he's still the dude. Like, that's still Aaron Rodgers. I promise you, I would take that guy and being able to and be able to win with him. And guess what? They get Matt LeFleur, they change up the offense a little bit. He's the MVP again at age 36. So I think that that's still the thinking. Even though Deshaun Watson's 25 years old and 25-year-old Pro Bowl quarterbacks at his level never become available unless their names are Jay Cutler, which is an entirely different thing. But with Rodgers, I think even at his age, that's still the thought, is that he's the type of guy that you would go out and do whatever you need to get him. Because even if it's three more years, look at what Tom Brady is doing. If you have the right team, those three years can be extremely valuable. How many teams do you think are thinking like the Buccaneers right now, given what Tom Brady just did, especially when it applies to a guy like Aaron Rodgers and having that whatever it takes mentality. Like to me, the the 49ers jump out just because of, of Kyle Shanahan and maybe some of the similarities offensively. Of course, Rodgers is from California, but given what Tom Brady is doing, given that he's in the Super Bowl again for the tenth time, do you, do you think other teams are are coming around to that that thought process? The Rams, for instance, like given how close they are, do, do you think other teams will take that path, the Buccaneers' path? If it's available to them, I don't know if it'll be available to them. If Aaron Rodgers was available, like truly available for a reasonable price, meaning that you know teams with any amount of draft capital could go get him, then I think the same way it was with Brady, the list of teams that would be interested in him is longer than you'd think it'd be because of what he could possibly be for them and the types of teams that he could elevate. So, yeah, I, I think a lot of teams are probably looking at what happened with Brady and saying Rodgers could do the same thing. But I also think a lot of teams probably don't truly believe that he's available for any sort of reasonable price. So where do the Bears fit in all this? What do you – I know you're not very optimistic about where they stand. I don't really think that any of us are. Um, but what what could they possibly do, I guess, this offseason? It probably starts at that quarterback position to dig out of this – stuck in the middle spot that they're in i really don't know because like let's think about the options right so stafford likely not going to happen within the division right. rogers i don't think is getting traded anyway deshaun watson has a no trade clause you think he'd come to chicago a place without weapons a place that already passed on him a place that never even met with him before the draft i doubt that that would happen so those guys the truly franchise altering guys are probably off the table you're not in a position to draft one of the best quarterbacks in this draft class. And considering the amount and the 
the dearth of young talent you have on the roster and the way you've treated draft capital over the last five years, you're not in a position to trade up for one of those picks, at least not in any smart way that would benefit you in the long term. So then you're left with the middle tier veteran market. And those guys are who? Jimmy Garoppolo, Marcus Mariota, that crew of guys. None of those is exciting because all of those guys, no matter who you end up getting, is one of those players, even if it's Jared Goff, falls into that middle class of quarterbacks that inevitably rises and falls with their situation and their surroundings. What do the Bears' situation and surroundings look like right now? You have no faith in the offensive coaching staff to get the most out of whoever, whichever quarterback is there. It's the opposite of what we were saying with San Francisco and Indianapolis with Stafford. You have no idea who the weapons are going to be next year. Your best player is a free agent. And who knows if you can bring him back because of the financial realities of that. You have multiple spots along the offensive line that you don't feel good about and probably need some turnover. So how could you possibly even spin it as saying, if we get one of those guys who's even a step up from Mitchell Trubisky but still needs help, what's your ceiling when you can't give him any help? And that's the problem. That is the stuck in the mud, running in place position that the franchise has found itself in. One of the interesting things about Watson's case is how much at least how much control I think he has in this. And it's everything you just said, Robert, like weighing the the situations, the, the current ones, the, the prospects for the future. I, maybe I give the Bears an edge over the Jets. The Dolphins is a bit debatable. Um, they're, they're often mentioned as, you know, teams of interest with Deshaun Watson. But, like, it's those wild card teams, teams with quarterbacks under – contract you know that 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 would stand out to me if i'm deshaun watson like the 49ers like you just mentioned like that's a pretty good team with a pretty good coach with a pretty good defense a lot of young players or the rams look how close they got could i go there and be the difference it just seems like it's going to take like like the bears are amongst these a a lot of teams correct me if if you think i'm wrong but like a, a group of teams that just don't seem to provide much and you could debate about what they have as opposed to the jets and the the, um, the Dolphins, but like when it when it comes to the 49ers and the Rams, they just strike me as more intriguing situations that if I'm Deshaun Watson and taking and doing my own homework, like those are teams where I'd force my hand or force my owner's hand, force my GM my new GM's hand, and and tell me to go to one of those teams or, or trade me to one of those teams. I don't know how you feel about that, but. That just seems to be like those teams strike me as the ones who can really change the quarterback conversation in terms of all those dominoes. I, f- I feel like right off the bat that teams like San Francisco are in a better position than a team like the Jets. But let's just play this out, right? Let's say Deshaun Watson gets traded to the Jets for the second overall pick, you know, 2022 first round pick, a 2022 second round pick, whatever it is. So a lot of high picks. But the Jets still have $63 million in cap space as things currently stand. Watson's cap number next year, I don't know what it is, probably around 35-ish million. He's got 30 million in space. Let's say they use 16 of that to sign Allen Robinson to a, a deal that's backloaded in free agency. They have Makai Becton already. They had drafted Denzel Mims in the second round last year. Let's say they go out and use some of their other money to spend it on a guard like Joe Tooney or whatever. They're already in a better position, arguably, than the Bears are. That's the problem. Even the ones that don't look good right now at least have the resources to add some pieces to build around Deshaun Watson. 
the Bears don't have the quarterback and they don't have the resources to build an infrastructure around the quarterback. It's really the worst possible scenario. Well, Robert, I may live in the suburbs now, but I'm a city kid at heart. And did I just hear the L go by like 45 seconds ago? Yeah, you did. Okay. It's, it's the blue line about 100 yards from my front window here. It's just, you know, that that sound will never <laughs> leave my brain. I don't brain. even notice it anymore. No, I, I wouldn't either when I lived there. But it was just like, okay, I know that that off in the distance L sound. <laughs> the, the uh, I actually miss it. Doors closing. I weirdly miss it. Yeah, doors closing. Uh, doors closing on this interview. Robert, we appreciate it. Uh, great stuff. We always love hearing your thoughts, uh, not only on the Bears, but around the league because you're so plugged in. Uh, and everybody should definitely be listening to the Athletics Football Show if they're not already. I appreciate it, guys. It's uh, This is probably a once every four to five months proposition because the listeners are going to get too depressed if you have me on more <laughs> often than that. <laughs> That's, you know what? That's why I like talking about non-Bears things with you too because we do a lot of heavy Bears talk, obviously, on this Bears podcast. So it's nice to go around the league sometimes. Uh, enjoy the uh, the Super Bowl, at least what you can down there. I know it's going to be interesting, um, but the Athletics Football Show has got a lot of good stuff coming up next week, so make sure you're checking it out. Talk to you, man. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. Because when you're looking for a job, Hogan Johns fans, you want the best experience possible. No questions left to answer and sketchy websites to navigate around. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. And over 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Adam. That's linkedin.com slash Adam to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Well, we always like talking to Robert Mays, um, but even he would admit that sometimes uh, it comes off as a little depressing, right, for for Bears fans with the the outlook that he has. He's not wrong, though. I mean, he's just he's stating um, the very tough circumstances that the Bears are in in terms of assets, uh, stuck in the middle, not having a high draft pick, uh, not being the most attractive place for a Deshaun Watson to come. I just want to make this perfectly clear, though. On uh, January 26th, as we head into this offseason, Johns isn't in the offseason yet. I am. I'm moved on to improving this Bears team. I believe that the Bears are going to be very involved in the quarterback derby. And that derby is going to include the likes of Deshaun Watson. I think it starts there. And... Just do not underestimate Matt Nagy's role in all this. It's just what I want to make perfectly clear. He was not here in 2017. That matters. He was not here the last time the Bears went through their in-depth quarterback evaluations uh, that most would argue was not in-depth enough on Deshaun Watson. I think the Bears are going to be heavily scouting these top four quarterbacks, top five quarterbacks in the draft this year. And don't forget where the Chiefs were 
or where the Bills were when they tr- uh, traded up to get the guy, uh, not the, um, the Texans, where they were to get Mahomes and Watson. Okay, it is possible. So whether it's a big move for one in one of these trades, and I don't think it's Matthew Stafford because I don't know why the Lions would trade him within the division. I don't think it can be completely ruled out because if you if you make the Lions the best offer with the most draft capital and they're in rebuild mode, I think they still got to consider it. I don't see that happening. I just think, and I was a part of it. I will admit this. I made a mistake, and I don't know if it was really a mistake. It was just we didn't know all the information yet. We had all these conversations about Trubisky in November, December, and now he might be the best option for the Bears in 2021 because we didn't think there were going to be many options out there. There are a lot of options out there. There's some big fish out there, and we didn't see that coming. Most of the league didn't see that coming. No one saw this Deshaun Watson thing happening. So, yes, it might be a little depressing to think about the outlook, and maybe the Bears will strike out. I don't know. But if you think that they're just not even going to try, that makes no sense. Because jobs are on the line. And when jobs are on the line, you get trades like the Jay Cutler trade. Right? And this is a team that's been through this before. And ownership has signed off on it. So I think the Bears are going to make a big quarterback move this offseason, Johns. The Bears have a stomach for moves like this. I'm glad you brought up the Jay Cutler thing because Kevin Fishbane and I brought it up in our in our piece on Deshaun Watson that's on The Athletic right now. It's... They're not scared of such moves. Now that sounds crazy to say because you know they got this reputation, which is completely false in a sense. Because, because, whatever. But they're not afraid to make big moves like this. Now, whatever that takes, that remains to be seen. But you're right. A few weeks ago, it did look like Mitch Trubisky would be their best option. There'll be an option elsewhere. But these. It's it's unbelievable what this off season is starting to transform into, because of all these, because of this potential for quarterback movement. Use the word dominoes here, everybody. If the 49ers Rams are active, there's other quarterbacks that are going to be available. Don't rule out what the Raiders are going to try to do with with John Gruden. There's already those rumors last year. It's going to be just buckle up. It's going to be unbelievable in a sense, and Aaron Rodgers as well. Like We know how this plays out. It may not look it right now. We know what he said in the Pat McAfee show today, but we'll see. We'll see. Maybe he won't like what he hears from the Packers brass. Things change, and then they move quickly. It's going to – I mean, seriously, buckle up. It's going to be crazy. And I think the Bears are going to be exhaustive in looking at all their options. I just – you know – Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, they talk a lot about not having egos. I also think, in especially Nagy's case, they have a lot of pride, though. And if you think Matt Nagy is just going to run it back with Mitchell Trubisky and get fired after four years and never really have the opportunity to... I mean, he did. I guess he did have the opportunity to groom Trubisky and develop Trubisky, but he went, again, he wasn't here when that pick was made. And I think... Even though we very fairly can question the decision to bench Trubisky in week three, that happened because he knew Trubisky wasn't the future, and it turned out to not be the right move in this season. But 
that alone is enough evidence that I don't know where you stand on this. And this isn't like this is just me adding, you know, a whole bunch of things up to come to a conclusion. The more and more I think about it, I mean, I don't think Mitch Trubisky's in a Bears uniform next year. You know, and I know that things went sideways in the 2019 season. That's why Nick Foles is here. That's why Nick Foles was, right. wasn't only acquired from the Jaguars for a fourth-round pick, which was a comp pick, a rare comp pick for the Bears. Fourth-rounder. <laughs> How should I say this? Things went sideways. Nick Foles is here. They look for the opportunity to bench him. Yes, it backfired this season. But Matt Nagy is not going to go down with just Nick Foles. That that's what I believe in terms of having a strong opinion right. on this. I don't think I don't think Ryan Pace wants to go down with just Nick Foles. That's the only quarterback they want on the they have on the roster right now. They know Nick Foles does not give them the best chance to win, whether that's meant to save their jobs or to put them into the playoffs or to make them a better, more consistent team. Nick Foles is not is not that man. He's a placeholder. He's got a backup contract. Everything's on the table. Like like Ryan Pace said, everything's on the table. And he's a guy that has made bold moves himself. Whether they were good moves, like getting Khalil Mack, nobody thought the Bears would do that. They did that. Or bad moves, like he was all in on Mitch Trubisky. He was all in on the wrong guy, but he still did everything he could to get him. And so that's what I'm just bringing up. I don't know who this quarterback's going to be, but there is going to be a quarterback that the Bears feel like they can get. Maybe it is Deshaun Watson. Maybe they go hard on the recruiting trail. Maybe it's, and I'm just spitballing here, making up a name from the draft. I'm not making up a name. It's a real name. But, like, let's just say they're in on Trey Lance. Love the guy. They can move up 10, 12 spots, whatever it is, to get in the top 10, top 7, maybe top 5. Just don't rule that stuff out. I just cannot buy the idea that after getting this opportunity to come back for one more year, that they're just going to run it back with Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky. Just cannot see it happening. Want to make that clear on January 26th. There's going to be a big quarterback move made with this team. I feel very strongly about it. While we're speaking what we believe, let me just say this. I strongly believe, strongly believe, that the Bears are going to be on Deshaun Watson. To me, the question is how aggressive and whether or not they, like Robert Mason said, they have the the situation that appeals to Deshaun Watson. And then beyond that, they have the means to make the situation better for Deshaun Watson. And then beyond that, how aggressive are they going to be to make this work with the Texans themselves. You have a team owner there, and you have a new GM there. We're going to want a big, big payday off this. They're going to ask for a lot, because this is unheard of. Unheard of. That a quarterback with this much talent at this stage in his career is wants out. It's unheard of. It is. This unheard. isn't Jay Cutler. This is like Jay Cutler on steroids. <laughs> like that guy you Google, you know, when you Google Jay Cutler, you don't get the quarterback, you get the weightlifter. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah <I'm> just, <laughs> this is that. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, Jay made some news. Or we don't know if he did or not, but the uh, 
the cryptic double Instagram post with Kristen. No. He's also on Peloton. I saw that. Oh, yeah. Didn't he accidentally give away his Peloton name or something? Yeah, and I was too late. Can't find it now. Oh, you could have been on a a nice cycling date with with Jay Cutler. You you know him. You blew it. It's okay. Cycling date. (laughs) And then you you could have gone hunting with him. Yes. (laughs) Took care of his raccoon problem or whatever he had. Coyote problem. Whatever he had in the offseason that people were intrigued about. I miss those days. But buckle up, everybody. Yes. Also buckle up because while I don't have all the details to share with you right now in this episode, just just a little bit of a tease. Uh, you're going to want to pay attention to this podcast next week. Super Bowl week. We got some special stuff coming for you and a lot of it. So just a little tease you, you for you You might there. just see us. You might just see us a bit more. You might be able to see us through a podcast. Think about it. So I, I think we'll probably have more details on that later in the week and search, certainly communicate all that with you. But just want to put that out there. Uh, good place to get that information, probably on Twitter. Follow us at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. A lot of good content up on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns is where you can get that. Uh, you heard John's ref- reference a few minutes ago. His uh, back and forth with Kevin Fishbane, at K Fishbane for him on Twitter, discussing some of his quarterback stuff, Deshaun Watson. You can check that out on The Athletic app. I have a piece up on Sean Desai as well as a column on the Aaron Rodgers situation because I find it very, very fascinating. And, hey, even if the Bears can't get Aaron Rodgers, if there's any doubt that he's leaving the division, you pay attention to that, right? <laughs> I mean, you you want to talk about a fast track to maybe uh, get back in the game. Uh, Rodgers leaving Green Bay would, would is a win for the Bears in any manner. Oh, what if Jordan Love becomes the next Brett Favre? Okay, I, I'll, I'll take those chances. <laughs> because I already know that Aaron Rodgers is the MVP right now. Yes. Yes. Again, Aaron Rodgers is this special transcendent talent, and maybe Jordan Love could develop into that, but we know what Aaron Rodgers is right now <laughs> and will be for the next few years. Um, all right. Appreciate everybody listening. Appreciate Robert Mays for jumping on again. Make sure you check him out on Twitter and the Athletics Football Show. Uh, he will also have a, a ton of great Super Bowl content next week, so you can uh, check all that out as well. Thanks for listening. We are planning on uh, being back later in the week, and hopefully we'll hear from Sean Desai, but I don't know. He hasn't talked yet. We'll see. Maybe he will. Maybe he will eventually. Uh, maybe we'll have that for you, and we'll also probably hear from Kevin Fishpain as well. Talk to you then. See ya. Y'all stay corona-free, all right? And God bless. <laughs>